Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. I've been reading a book um, recently called Them Before Us by Katie Faust, a fascinating book, um, and it's, it's on children's rights, and particularly as it pertains to their parents. And, and in this um, book, she, she talks about how fathers and mothers parent so differently, and they've actually gone back and they've looked at all these different studies on how um, mothers and fathers parent differently. And, and she actually makes the point that to refer to both of them with the broad umbrella term parenting is actually misleading simply because mothering and fathering is, is so drastically different. Um, an easy example uh, that, that you may recognize is that, you know, it's not uncommon to see a father take a toddler child and toss the child in the air and then catch him, right? I mean, normally they catch him. That's kind of the good thing. But, you know, to toss the, the child in the air and catch it. I've never seen mom do that. I'm not saying it can't happen. I've just seen, I've never seen mom take the child and just fling them into the air, you know, for, for the fun of it. Um, they actually, the studies have actually gone on to show that, that the difference is so great that even in how mom and dad read bedtime stories is different. As an example, uh, take the story of the three little pigs. They'll read the story. Moms will tend to ask very practical questions. How many pigs were there? Dads tend to ask more abstract questions. Where do you suppose that pig got all that hay to build the house to begin with, right? And um, so it's, it's, it's very fascinating. There are uh, some very interesting, unique things that dads bring to parenting, but it's not Father's Day. So I'm going to save those for another time, and you'll have to come back later if you want to hear those. Um, but some of the unique things that, that mom bring to parenting, and, and I would say that I, I would just, you know, they, they list out all these things, um, and these are not, uh, you know, kind of like my observations or my theories. These are actually things that they have pulled out of the studies that, that they have done. So this is, this is research-based stuff on what moms bring to the, the parenting dynamic. Uh, mothers um, are more likely to see their children um, as, people who, uh, as people to do things for. Um, so uh, they will focus in on love and comfort and protection. Moms tend to focus more on feelings, uh, sometimes sacrificing facts, uh, but more uh, will focus in on feelings um, and is wired to nurture and connect. Mothers set the emotional tone at home and intuitively respond to the physical and the emotional needs of her family. Uh, In her unique feminine way, mom embodies the home to the children. Moms tend to focus more on the mundane caregiving a.k.a. the grind, so keeping children fed, keeping them clothed, keeping them clean. Um, they tend to focus in on, on the minutiae, just that, that thankless, seemingly endless daily tasks. Mom are the original safe space. Mothers encourage equity. Mothers tend to err on the side of grace and empathy. They tend to emphasize hope and opportunity in the midst of failures. They tend to focus on safety predictability, security. They nurture more. They focus on security. When discipline is required, moms tend to be more tuned to the children's specific emotional needs. 
Moms use more affirming words and are more likely to reason things out during discipline. In conversation, mothers tend to simplify the language and bring the language down to the child's level in order to connect with the child. When asked, but mom, why do I have to do that? Moms are more likely to uh, give a list, uh, an extensive list of reasons why, why this should be done. When moms play with kids, they focus on connecting with the child at the child's level. They also tend to focus more on the fine motor skills. When young girls can watch mom bring her distinct feminine qualities to home, community, and workplace, those girls learn to embrace womanhood, and they learn that they don't have to behave like men to influence the world. Kids need moms, and life is better when mom is around. Kids will always have a, a unique, special relationship with, with each parent, and they intuitively know what each parent bring, that each parent brings something special. So to begin with, just to the moms in our midst, a huge thank you for all that you have done, for recognizing that God has created you unique and that you bring something unique to, to the family that, that no one else can bring. And we are blessed by it. A community is blessed by it. The children are blessed by it. And so thank you. It's interesting if you look at some of the, the women examples throughout Scripture. You know, in the Old Testament, it seems to be that the blessing for, for women or for wives came through having children. Um, and I do believe that, that to a certain extent that that carries forward to today. I mean, children are a blessing um, from the Lord. And, um, yeah, uh, Psalm 127, starting in verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Proverbs 17.6, grandchildren are the crown of the aged. Deuteronomy 7.13, he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the, and the fruit of the ground. It's interesting if you look at the story of Adam and Eve. There, there's kind of some detail in there which, which is fascinating. In the story of Adam and Eve, we see that Adam is named first. That happens in Genesis 2. Um, and then God makes Eve, and, and, and Eve is presented to Adam. And Adam names her, he doesn't name her Eve at first, he names her woman, right? Because she was taken from his rib. That name sticks um, for, for the next chapter or so. She is only referred to as woman. It's not until after they sin and, and they're out of the garden in Genesis 3.20 that Adam names or renames his wife Eve. And, and that's the first time we see the name Eve. And he calls her that because she is the mother of all living things, right? Meaning she, all future humanity is going to be descendant from Eve. But here's the thing. They don't have any kids yet. Kids don't occur until chapter 4. Adam calls her mother before there are any children present. Her identity, her title as mother, is connected more to her future to her gender, to her design, more than it is to actually having biological children. It's a part of her heartbeat. Ladies, I would offer to you that God has designed every one of you with a mothering heart. Regardless of whether or not you have your own biological children, a mothering heart 
beats within you. And that the world is blessed when that mothering heart is able to find freedom of expression. Now, we could probably do one or two sermons on all the disclaimers that would need to happen with this. We live in a world of sin and suffering and Satan and things are broken and corrupt and have really muddied the water and uh, that has just impacted life and sometimes we are forced to just live with that and um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that just for the sake of time other than just to acknowledge that I recognize that, that we live in, in a fallen and broken world and sometimes we're forced to, to make accommodations that way. New Testament. In the New Testament, the, the storyline of women being blessed by children seems to go silent. I don't believe it disappears, but we just don't hear about it uh, as much. But what we do hear now is that the blessing comes through making disciples. And we also see that our female role models change because now we're giving role models who have served in the church. Phoebe, uh, in Romans 16, Paul basically brags on his friend Phoebe and how awesome she is and and all this work that she has done in the church. Uh, Junia, another one later on in Romans 16, and just what a great worker, and known by many in Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Timothy, all mention this married couple, Priscilla and Aquila. It's unique because her name is mentioned first, rather than his, and we also see in the storyline that they were both involved in, in the mentoring and the discipling of a young man named Apollos, who, who went on and, and was quite the uh, really kind of a, a, a apologist uh, for the Christian faith. Um, in his letter to Titus, Paul instructs that older women are to mentor and train the younger women in, in all manner of, of things. Um, and, and so the blessing we see comes from making disciples. So here's the thought. I would offer to you that, ladies, all of you have been designed with a mother's heart. Some of you have experienced the blessing of biological children. Some have not. But the greater blessing is in making disciples. Whether that's your own children or other people in the church or other people in the community, that is the higher blessing, and that is what we are called to. But we are blessed when you bring that mothering heart to the discipleship process. A few thoughts for the ladies on on bringing the mothering heart to the discipleship process. First, of course, is Scripture. Feasting on God's Word. Uh, The Bible studies, the, the, the workbooks, the blogs, they're all great, but it's never a substitute for just pure, unfiltered Scripture. So make sure that you're just getting pure, unfiltered Scripture in your heart and in your mind. Secondly, learn to be okay with feminine and motherly. And I feel like I need to say that in in today's world where culture is really seeking to blur the lines when it comes to, to the sexes. And I would just say it is okay for you to be feminine and for you to be motherly. Third, learning. There are amazing podcasts and books and blog sites and studies and resources out there learn from other godly women on how to be a godly woman right great great resources out there on that fourth community mentors coaches friends encouragers challengers people of faith people of action people of caution find someone older they will have wisdom and experience find someone 
further along in their spiritual journey. They will inspire you and instruct you. Find someone younger. They will tell you the future and where things are going. Fifth, empty your cup. Take what you have learned and give it to others. You, I mean, and this is coffee or lunch dates or hanging out or meeting at the playground, whatever. You will never be able to fill their cup, but you can empty yours. Your responsibility is not to fill their cup. Your responsibility is simply to empty yours. Six, don't neglect the study of masculinity. I think the more that the sexes understand each other, um, just the better off we are. And I would say from that, read good male authors on that. And last one, don't let this be the only thing that defines you. First and foremost, you are a child of God. That is your primary identity, and everything else flows out of that. Yes, you are mother, but there are other aspects to who you are. You have strengths. You have weaknesses. You have spiritual gifts. You have education levels. You have opportunities. You have um, just life experience. All of that plays into making you, you, and what it is that you can bring to family and church and to community and how that is so unique. Ladies, you are all unique, each and every one of you. And I believe that within each one of you beats the heart of a mother. Sin and suffering and Satan have corrupted a lot of things. But we still contend for what God intended. We still contend for what God intended. Your family, this church, this community, we are blessed when that mother's heart is allowed to flourish. And of course, children are a blessing And so we want to raise them to love and follow Jesus as the greater blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity to honor the mothers among us. They are a gift to us. They are a gift to their families and to this church and to this community. When their God-given identity is allowed to find freedom of expression. So we pray for the mothers amongst us, for the women amongst us, that they would continue to know you, to follow you, to be inspired by you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to to dedicate children uh, in our midst, to state out loud our commitment to protect them and guide them and to serve them and do all that we can, that they would learn to love you and follow you and, 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 and be active members of society. And God, thank you once again just to learn from your word, its continued relevance, its grace to us. God, we are so thankful for you. We're so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, and for the salvation that is made available to all through his death on the cross. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.